Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello there. Sorry for the slightly erratic podcast schedule in recent weeks, but this one is worth the wait. Before we get into that, thank you so much for all your positive feedback on the last two specials, the addiction episode with Professor John Strang and the sugar episode with Dr Charlotte Hardman. I'm really glad everyone's enjoying these bonus episodes where I talk to researchers and isn't just switching off when they realise there's no Scroobius Pip. So this one is another bonus one. I'm joined by another colleague from the University of Liverpool, Dr Carl Roberts, to talk about cognitive enhancers or smart drugs. Carl and I are doing some research on this topic at the moment, so I thought who better to have a chat about these drugs with. So without further ado, Dr Carl Roberts and I say why to cognitive enhancers. Welcome to another episode of Say Why to Drugs. Today I am joined by my colleague Dr. Carl Roberts from the University of Liverpool. Hello. Uh, so, Carl, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do at your job? Sure. Um, I study the uh, psychopharmacology of addiction and appetite. So, I basically look at uh, how drugs affect the brain and how, in turn, that kind of affects behaviour. So psychopharmacology, the sort of the psychology of pharmacology, so the psychology of how drugs work. Sure. <laughs> uh, and the reason I have asked Carl to come on the podcast is to talk about cognitive enhancers. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what cognitive enhancers are? Yeah, so generally cognitive enhancers are kind of understood to be pharmaceuticals which are used by people with healthy cognition or healthy uh, normal IQ, I guess, to benefit them in some way uh, and to enhance their brain functioning. These are drugs that are uh, prescribed drugs for other disorders um, that are mainly uh, mild stimulants, really, that kind of get used by, uh, often it's reported by like university students to help them um, study or to be able to kind of like concentrate for longer periods of time to be able to um, retain information or to just basically enhance their ability to think I suppose um, or often by other people in the workplace as well to be able to perform at a level which might be better than normal or when they're sleep deprived and things like this. Right so am I right in thinking that there's a few different 
types of cognitive enhancer. It's not just one specific drug or drug class. It's like a few different ones, isn't it? Yeah. So the main kind of ones that are getting the most attention, I suppose, are the ones that have been around the longest that we know a little bit more about. Although even these ones, we don't know a, a massive amount in terms of actual cognitive enhancement. Mm. Um, but there are the most common ones are kind of amphetamines or amphetamine derivatives, um, such as Adderall, um, which is kind of prescribed for ADHD. And then there is methylphenidate, which is better known as Ritalin, which is also prescribed in the UK for ADHD as well. And uh, this has structural similarities to amphetamine as well. And then there is modafinil as well, which is getting an awful lot of attention. And this has a kind of... Um, this is prescribed for sleep disorders, mainly uh, narcolepsy. Um, and again, uh, this is uh, yeah another mild stimulant. Um, with a kind of more obscure uh, pharmacology than the, the the other two, the amphetamine derivatives. So um, Adderall and Ritalin tend to work on uh, dopamine and noradrenaline. So they will increase kind of like dopamine in the prefrontal cortex, which is meant to underlie its effects on cognition. Um, whereas uh, modafinil seems to work on dopamine as well as uh, a load of other uh, neurotransmitters as well. So it has kind of like much more complicated pharmacology, which we don't really understand fully yet. So you mentioned that these these drugs are prescribed for other things, but people have started taking them to try and get this cognitive enhancement effect. So they're sometimes known as smart drugs as well, aren't they? Yeah. Smart drugs or nootropics as well is another one. Yeah. Okay, so this we've maybe already answered this, but what's the what's the appeal of cognitive enhancers what's the appeal of smart drugs so i guess uh the appeal is the idea that it can improve um concentration or the ability to perform ta- tasks for people who are already so say for example in the workplace people are already performing at their kind of like maximum ability they might take them because it might help them improve so basically what we've got is the idea that people want to perform better or to gain some kind of advantage for example in an academic setting they might want to use everything at their disposal to get uh, an advantage over their peers um so whether that be you know kind of uh so there's a lot of other ways you can do it by kind of making sure you have good nutrition get being well rested uh doing exercise but if uh people might also decide that they uh wish to take some kind of pharmaceutical if they believe that that is uh going to help them gain some kind of competitive advantage. Yeah, a little bit of a shortcut. It's a bit easier to take a pill than it is to make sure you're fully rested if you're trying to meet deadlines and that kind of thing. So do we know much about who is using smart drugs? Do we know much about the prevalence of them or anything like that? Has that kind of research been done? Um, well, no, basically is the uh, is the answer. There are some, uh, most of the information we've got on prevalence is from um, survey data from, so mostly it's been done in um, students. So I think that there was a, a survey done in one, it was either Oxford or Cambridge. I think it was Oxford, you know, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it was by, by a newspaper and they asked their students like about use of it. Uh, and there's, there's, there, there are other um, surveys um generally aimed at students to kind of look at prevalence, but the way that they do it. So in terms of prevalence, um, when they've been asked, they basically ask these students uh, if they have ever used these various drugs or if they've used them in the last year or last month or something like this. Uh, they don't really kind of assess if they are actually being used to improve their performance in an exam or in the study period leading up to it, the pattern of use. Uh, we basically uh, don't really have 
enough strong data on uh, prevalence. Um, some newspaper reports and these surveys suggest that up to 20% of um, students in various universities are using them as study aids, but um, I'm not really sure that we can kind of make them claims from the study that. data. Yeah. yeah, it seems like there's a lot of media attention around these drugs at the moment, but actually we know very little about them, don't we? So we might... If 20% of the student population have ever used a nootropic, that doesn't necessarily mean that there are one in five people who are like using them every day to revise. This might be like people at university, people experiment with stuff quite a lot. Uh, Yeah, so they they can have um, mild euphoric effects as well. They might just, you know, if people have been sleep deprived or they could, you know, they might be using them as, uh, you know, for their actual uses as well, for their clinical uses. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point that these are actually prescribed to people for other things as well. What are the actual effects of these drugs then? Is it worth talking about the amphetamine derivatives and modafinil separately or do you think the effects are broadly similar? Yeah, so that's a a really good point actually. So assuming that they have a different uh, pharmacological action, then that would it would make sense to assume that they um, act, uh, they have a different effect on uh, your behaviour or your cognition. So um, a lot of the times when people are talking about, um, you know, people using cognitive enhancers, then they will lump them together and say, you know, whether they, you know, oh, they do this, they do that. But in fact, um, you're right to make that distinction. Distinction Distinction between them, yeah. There's already, we've already done a podcast about amphetamines. So that's probably worth going back and having a listen to as well. But what are the, what are the sort of short term effects? If you take a cognitive enhancer, what can you expect to experience? Uh, well, I guess first and foremost, you probably expect to uh, an, an increase in energy. So I think the, the the most kind of reliable thing that you will get out of these is that um, that you will kind of have increased wakefulness, I suppose, uh, and that is kind of across um, the amphetamine derivatives, methylphenidate, and and um, modafinil as well. Um, however, the um, differences in their effects on cognition are kind of they're difficult to assess. Um, whilst there has been uh, quite a lot of randomised controlled trials with each of these drugs, um, some of the problems with um, them studies are that they generally tend to assess the effect of a single dose, like you're saying, it's an, an acute study, um, and then kind of get them to perform some kind of cognitive task. So whether this be like a working memory task, um, a creativity task, or Uh, executive functioning task or something like this now the problem that you've got is is that whether this actually translates over to how students are actually using Mm. them is is quite difficult really um because you would assume that if they are using them that it would be over a kind of concentrated period of time to prepare for for an exam uh so 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 a study assessing what a single dose does might not necessarily be um, particularly helpful yeah. um, but also the kind of tasks that they have been used uh, that have been used to assess their kind of effect on cognitive function it's not really clear how much they actually translate again over to like um, real world yeah, yeah. Re- revision I suppose or you know kind of performance in the workplace as well yeah so I suppose um, we've kind of got two problems with doing research into smart drugs is that actually we don't really know how people are using them and we don't necessarily have good ways of modeling how people might be using them so it's a little bit of sort of fumbling in the dark really at the moment in trying to work out 
do smart drugs actually work? Yeah, and I think that it's quite a common thing as well for the um, expectations of the drug to actually exceed um, the the actual efficacy of them as well. So was there, uh, was that like kind of like a placebo effect? Well, well, potentially, but also um, the RCT data basically a lot of it suggests that there are at best really modest effects on these various kind of um, cognitive tasks that they're doing. Whereas um, you might get anecdotal reports of people saying that they're actually quite good as study aids or whatever, because they're not really kind of assessing the same thing. But people are notoriously not very good at... Judging their own kind of... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So sort of it's, it's obviously very important to find out what people experience when they use them, but that then translating to actual sort of measurable changes in cognition is is a different story yeah also uh, another kind of point is that it seems that um there is this kind of um u-shape in in terms of effects of these drugs um so generally people that have a lower baseline of cognitive ability or some kind of cognitive deficit then these drugs might actually have a kind of restorative effect they may they might be quite good but if you're already performing at quite a high level then um, the effects are, are, are much more uh, subtle uh, or potentially even have a, a kind of like reduce your ability, have a, like a negative effect. Oh, right. So some people might actually be using these and not getting any help or potentially having problems. Yeah, potentially. I guess it's it's difficult because we don't know very much about about these drugs. Are there any other effects, sort of short-term kind of intoxication effects from them? Because obviously amphetamines have quite a have quite a sort of strong intoxication effect you get a lot of other sort of experiences as well as that kind of alertness you also get like increased blood pressure and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing these are obviously a lot milder than sort of something like speed Mm -hmm. but um do they still have any other effects in terms of the sort of alertness that they are likely to give do you think it's really more than something like a cup of coffee is that, I mean, it's obviously it's quite difficult to quantify like that, but there's a lot of debate at the moment around whether it's ethical to use smart drugs. But from what, I mean, and obviously there are, the evidence is it's pretty holy at the moment and there's a lot that we still need to sort of do to find out really about these drugs. Mm. But currently the evidence doesn't really look like them they're potentially that much more effective than than like caffeine no or other um herbal nootropics as well like ginkgo biloba and things like this as well so do we know much i mean it seems like we know very little about the short-term effects but what about the longer term effects i imagine look knowing what i know about other drugs literature if we know very little about the short-term effects we're probably going to know even less about the long-term effects of these drugs yeah as far as i'm aware in um kind of healthy populations and I, I, I don't think there's basically any any research on long-term effects at all if, we, if we're looking at short-term effects so if we if we take looking at things other than cognition obviously um amphetamine derivatives and uh ritalin are, are kind of they have kind of like a a toxicology history and um they kind of had card to cardiovascular effects as well um so i can't imagine that kind of um Repeated use over a long period of time is particularly good for you. Um, I think that uh, as uh, as far as I can make out, that um, modafinil is um, 
kind of like has less of these effects. Um, but but in terms of uh, long term effects on the brain um, and the body, then I just think there's such little evidence there. It's quite difficult to draw any conclusions, really. Yeah, and I guess because they are medications for other conditions in their own right, then we probably do know quite a bit about how their sort of effects and side effects when they're used by that population in Mm. the way that they're prescribed. But that's likely to be quite different from how people would use them as a cognitive enhancer. It, It would be much more, I mean, again, this is, there isn't really very much evidence to sort of looking into this, but anecdotally it seems like people use them for short bursts of time but quite a lot over a short time and then probably wouldn't use them for like the rest of the year maybe even so that's very different to if you're prescribed a medication and you take it say like once a day or or however these medications are prescribed so even if we know about the long-term effects in those populations that doesn't necessarily translate to how these drugs could have long-term effects in people using them as cognitive enhancers yeah and you don't know if they're kind of um, taking them and having like, you know, kind of a more a more intense kind of um, dosing regime affects that. So if they're taking, so say, for example, if you had it in a in a population with ADHD and they're prescribed and they're having their one a day, how, what the difference is between that and somebody that's using it, they might be taking four or five in one day to kind of stay up and to, to do this. You don't know what cumulative effects these have or whether um, larger kind of, doses over a short period yeah have different have different profiles and different effects yeah but also i can the the other thing is is that in um when they're kind of looking at um harms and risks versus benefits which is what these will generally be do for be done for prescribed drugs is that you know these kind of um the well the kind of the point is is that say for example modafinil is only licensed for uh, treatment of narcolepsy. So it has been investigated for its kind of um, risk, et cetera, uh, cardiovascular risk, et cetera, um, in the short term. And uh, the conclusion of the uh, the European Medicine Agency is that it's only suitable in terms of risk-benefit to treat narcolepsy, which is a potentially fatal disorder. So um, I don't think that physicians would particularly have a favourable opinion of healthy people using it in terms of their um to to enhance their performance so i think that it's kind of it's difficult to understand the harms uh, really because um you know they when they get classified as as these uh, medical drugs then the risk benefit ratio is kind of you know they, they obviously they they will give more f- uh they'll be more lenient to them having restorative effects rather than having Enhancement. Yeah. I think that's a really important distinction to make is like when you're prescribed a medication, it's, or we say it's to make you better, but actually that's sort of not what we mean. We mean it's to make you less bad. So medications aren't meant to take you above your sort of usual point, if that makes sense. I'm not sure I'm explaining this very well. Uh, But people are using these to try and like get a little bit extra yeah. so to make themselves better rather than to make themselves better i'm really expecting this very very badly <laughs> to give them an edge but, rather than but, to make themselves well yes well done thank you <laughs> <laughs> um so this then opens up the whole kind of question about the ethics of these drugs because and this is uh this is this debate is a humdinger <laughs> 
so it's something that I talk about with with uh, the students that I teach as well. Um, we've had big debates around the the ethicality of using of using smart drugs, and a lot a lot of people think it's unfair. This idea that you can give yourself an advantage by taking a pill. A lot of the students, in particular, feel very strongly that that's that that's unfair. But I don't know. That that take that makes a lot of assumptions. Yeah, well, I think first of all, these are dilemmas that um, we'll kind of um, have to deal with more and more as um, these drugs inevitably um, get improved. Um, so there's 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 already uh, an array of other cognitive enhancers which are kind of being developed. So the, you know things are being developed with the idea of enhancing cognition. And then I guess you know it's kind of there is an ethical debate on on as to whether that is fair. So I guess kind of, you know, some of the things that the arguments that people kind of give for the the idea that using these drugs is somehow cheating, uh, especially like in terms of academic performance, um, I guess these, uh, because they basically think that if you uh, produce a drug, so, uh, so first of all, we have to assume that that a cognitive enhancer is effective. It actually works. So if it yeah. actually works... Does somebody using a, a, an effective cognitive enhancer class as cheating in 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 the run up to to an exam? Um, so the idea is that it somehow creates. Um, so I read a paper that's talking about it termed it as creating an uneven playing field, um, but the the um, the caveat to that was that it assumes that there was an even playing field to begin with. So yeah. you know, fifty percent of your IQ is inherit is inheritable. And um, generally, uh, other things which can improve your kind of academic performance or um, kind of grades and career, etc., come from um, home tuition and things like this. So uh, a lot of people may not have had home tuition, but these are things that can um, skew, improve. Skew, yeah, skew yeah. things. So these are things that. Um, so there already is an, un, an uneven playing field that society kind of like generally accepts. So I guess if these were effective and were cost effective, then you might say, or oh, maybe these are a, a, a good way of helping out more helping disadvantaged people, people more, or yeah. people with uh, their biological handicap, if you will. Yeah. Um, whereas in reality, uh, it's more likely that um, the same people that had home tuition are more likely to have the money to get these drugs <laughs> Buy anyway. Smart so. drugs, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think that's a really important point: is that when uh, when you go into an exam at the end of your schooling or your undergrad or whatever no you don't start from the same from the same point some people have just had uh more time and money spent on their education and more time and money spent on their sort of nutrition and their health all while they're growing up and just had more time to to revise or whatever and I think one of the key things to mention here about smart drugs is that you still have to do the actual work. Do it doesn't make work. you know things. You still have to read the papers. And so people use them to concentrate more while they're studying, but you still have to do the actual studying. It's it's not like a magic bullet. I think some of the uh, idea as well is that it can um, help you kind of be more motivated to do more arduous tasks, mm. essentially. it's a, it's a, it, Essentially, they, they, they appear to be stimulants which will make you kind of wakeful for longer and um, help be, help you become more motivated to do stuff that's dull, yeah. essentially. I There was an article in 
a newspaper, possibly The Guardian, a few weeks ago. Um, I know we both saw it because we were talking about it on Twitter, but uh, it uh, was talking about mandatory drug testing before going into exams to find out whether people have been using smart drugs. Um, Now, obviously, certainly at the moment, I think we're an extremely long way away from that ever being a possibility, partly because we don't even know if they do actually give you any advantage. And (laughs) so the idea of testing for something that that could actually not be having any effect seems patently absurd to me, but what do I know? But it does seem like a bit of a slippery slope argument. It's saying if if you if you think that you should drug test for cognitive enhancers, well, what about coffee or even something like nicotine that has been shown to have a mild cognitive enhancing effect? Mm. It's, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on mandatory well, drug testing? <laughs> Um, well, I think it's quite, it's, well, draconian anyway, isn't it? Um, however, even if they were, it's completely untenable anyway, because even if they were to um, get you before, you know, before, line you up before you go into an exam and come and have a piss in a pot, um, <laughs> then, uh, and they tested that and they tested positive for that, then that's one thing. But ultimately, you would have to be testing everyone at regular points throughout the academic year because people aren't just taking them to go into an exam with. They're taking them to revise with the whole study period leading up to it. So to kind of like, just like the cost of that is like, it's just it's just completely untenable, isn't it? There's a step change between um, that kind of cognitive enhancers and something like doping in doping, professional yeah, sport. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a lot of the arguments kind of, um, they're trying to relate it to, to, to doping yeah. in sport. But again, that's something that's like really, really badly controlled anyway. But I suppose the flip side of that, is this idea of potential feelings of coercion that yeah. if if you think that all of your peers who are going into the same exam as you have taken these cognitive enhancers, then you might feel genuine pressure to do so as well because it is much more difficult. It's more difficult to get into university these days. You need better grades. It's more difficult to um, you need to get a better degree. You're paying a small fortune for a degree. There is this pressure that if you feel like everyone else is getting this advantage, then then you should do it too. And that might that's quite an argument against or trying to enforce people to not use them. Yeah. 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 Well that, yeah. It's still they're still fairly hypothetical arguments purely on the basis that um that argument would assume that these drugs are effective yeah. and are producing some tangible improvement relative to people that aren't taking them and also that um the prevalence of them is incredibly high enough for the people that aren't using them to be in the minority and to think oh i better start doing these drugs so um and also i kind of you know the other thing is like you've mentioned before like caffeine nicotine um these are kind of understood to have some kind of cognitive enhancing effects so at least they uh, are again uh, mild stimulants mm-hmm. and um these are kind of used quite widely well by the population as a whole but you don't kind of see these um you know i i don't drink coffee and i certainly don't feel um the the pressure to um to improve to, to improve uh yeah and you maybe, work, maybe i should start drinking you, it you work at a university <laughs> where coffee is sort of the drug of choice so that is even more impressive what don't we know about cognitive enhancers well pretty much everything i think that um <laughs> i think basically if we would have just asked that as a first question we could have got this uh <laughs> we could have just gone had this yeah. wrapped up pretty uh pretty quickly um uh, essentially i think that um we know 
far more less about any of these drugs um, than we actually do know, which I suppose is quite common, really. Yeah. Yeah, we, we basically, we need to know, especially like in terms of if people are kind of concerned about this being a public health problem, then first of all, we need to know the prevalence. We need to first, that's like one of the first things we need to know is, is this actually something that is really happening and to a really broad extent? Uh, second of all, uh, we don't know the harms really over 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 like a, a, a chronic kind of period. Uh, we don't know if they're even uh, particularly effective really or in what domain they are. So mm-hmm. again, you know, they might, some might be different than others. They might improve performance in different areas yeah. of cognition. All of these things basically need, need researching. Yeah. So basically we need to know kind of everything about... We need to know everything about them, yeah. Who uses them, why, what they actually do. And uh, more long term, what the impact of taking them might be. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's not dissimilar to what we've talked about in lots of these other podcasts that because these things are kind of illicit or. Yeah, I guess illicit is the right word that people might not be willing to talk about their use and that they've sort of they've kind of sprung up being used as cognitive enhancers and the research community has to sort of slightly scramble to keep up. It's quite a lot similar to the new psychoactive substances. Well, yeah, very similar. I would would say, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't have a handle on at all, really. Um, The other thing is, um, if we go back to talking about um, risks, it's not even the risks that, um, you know, just from what we know about um, the way that the medication works itself, there's also additional risks in how people are obtaining these drugs so people um could be kind of uh faking um uh, medical problems or alternatively um buying them off the internet and again you've got no control there over the uh, reputability of the people that you're buying these drugs off what's actually in them and also i think that they're um even with the uh even if people prospective users or users of these drugs are aware of the actual drugs um, harms they seem to kind of um underestimate them i suppose um and 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 use them yeah that's i think that's a really good point that actually there's sort of there's more than one method that people use to get hold of these drugs and some involve sort of deliberately going and lying to your gp um and that can potentially lead to all sorts of problems down the line of having that permanently on your medical record as well yeah. but also then yeah buying buying drugs off the internet where you it's sort of the wild west and you have no idea what you're actually buying and we've talked about that in loads of other um episodes where the risks that you expose yourself to by taking an unknown substance could be could be anything so it's yeah it's hugely dangerous behavior do you think there could be a role if if we can find cognitive enhancers that work um, do you think there's a role for that? So could, for example, it be something like SSRIs where mm. SSRIs don't make you feel happy uh, if you're already happy, if you mm. know what I mean, but they can be really effective in some people. And there'll be a whole episode about SSRIs where we can unpick this broad statement that I'm about to make. <laughs> um, but in they can be useful in treating depression. Mm-hmm. And cognitive enhancers, by the sounds of things, seem like they might be similar to that in that they won't make you 
smarter if you're already smart but if you're having sort of difficulties concentrating or difficulties learning then maybe they can give you a boost and that could potentially be really positive yeah well that's the thing isn't it these these things are like we say there's 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 countless other drugs that are kind of being found or being investigated and you may come across something that is quite effective in various cognitive domains and um these actually so there is actually a potential for these drugs as cognitive enhancers so produce something as a cognitive enhancer that may well benefit society as a whole um but we're not there yet yeah and then we can have the proper ethical debate about well that's it yeah <laughs> if there actually is one that sort of works dr carl roberts thank you very very much for coming and talking to us about cognitive enhancers you're welcome thanks for having me So there we go. I have a feeling that this won't be the last episode about these types of drugs as more research is carried out and we find out more about whether they're effective, who's using them and what the long-term impacts of use might be. So watch this space. In the meantime, there won't be any new episodes for the rest of the summer as I'm jetting off to Japan next week for a conference and a bit of an explore. Uh, If there are any Japanese listeners, then do get in touch with me and give me some tips of where to go. But hopefully Pip and I will finally manage to meet up soon and we'll have the next batch of episodes ready in the autumn. I'm also planning a roundup of new research and some updates where people have got in touch to point out some of the gaps in some of the existing podcasts. So thanks to everyone who has got in touch. It's always really, really good to know. In the meantime, find me at Suzaphone on Twitter, join the Facebook group Say Why to Drugs, and thanks again to everyone for their support. Thanks to Carl for giving up his Sunday to come and record this episode, and thanks to you all for listening. Take care now. Bye-bye then. You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray. The artwork was by at my name is Ad. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council, and Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces Network. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.